Houston Star of Hope Mission brings you a moment of hope. Could you spare a little hope today? Hi, this is Scott Arthur. October the 10th is World Homeless Day, a day set aside to draw attention to homeless people and their needs. Well, the timing is perfect for an all-star movie to be released doing just that, bringing awareness to the plight of the homeless and the fight of the homeless to be recognized and helped by society. About 10 years ago, international art dealer Ron Hall met a homeless man in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it literally changed his life. Ron wrote a book about the encounter and the relationship that blossomed from it. Together, Ron and Denver, that's the homeless man, toured the country, starting a conversation about God's broken children and how we can all help them. The name of the book is Same Kind of Different as Me, and the October release of the movie version is expected to rekindle those conversations about the homeless, about humanity, and about faith. Star of Hope sat down with Ron Hall for a chat about the book and the movie. His story is inspirational. Okay, we're here with Ron Hall, and Ron, uh, you know, you have such an incredible life. I mean, it's your, your story includes so many different people and have changed so many lives. It's almost like a rags and riches story. You know? <laughs> You've got a great book that has sold millions and millions of copies, uh, New York Times bestseller list for years and years, and people still know the title, still know the story, and the movie is coming out very shortly, and it must be some exciting times for you. Very exciting, and uh, the most exciting thing to me are the prospects of, of our movie, which is really the, the first film that I've ever known about that uses uh, a gospel rescue mission as the canvas that we paint the story on. And it's a powerful story. It's a story uh, that, uh, that illustrates beautifully that it's not the color of our skin that divides us, it's the condition of our hearts. And it's my hope that people walk out of this theater after seeing this film uh, with new eyes and new lenses to see uh, the homeless through the eyes of God and not through uh, like my former judgmental attitude that I had for so many years, the way I judged the homeless. But uh, that's my hope and that, that the tide will be uh, rising for all of us that are in this ministry of, of caring for God's people. So. Well, for uh, the very few people who are out there that are not familiar with the story, can you just give us a, a quick uh, nutshell of exactly what happened, how you met Denver? Well, I met Denver not because I wanted to meet Denver. I met him quite, uh, not by accident because or coincidence, because Denver used to tell me that a coincidence is God's uh, way of remaining anonymous. But my late wife, Debbie, in 1998, had a dream about a particular homeless man, and in her dream, she saw the face. But her dream was like uh, the verse in Ecclesiastes 9.15, there was found in the city a certain poor man who was wise, and by his wisdom, our city was changed. And she told me the morning after her dream, uh, Ron, I, I really think that this was, dream was from God, and I believe if we can find this man, our city and, and our own lives will be changed uh, by this man. So she asked me if I would go into the inner city to look for this man of her dream. And uh, we drove around in, in all the area where the homeless hang out, and we didn't see him. So we decided to start volunteering at a gospel rescue mission in, uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. 
And we'd been serving the evening meal for a couple of weeks when all of a sudden uh, this giant looking uh, uh, man breaks into the uh, dining hall. Uh, most of the men were coming out of a chapel service. He came in through a side door and starts screaming uh, his head off that he's going to kill everybody in the room. Uh, he's screaming, I'm going to kill whoever done it. I'm going to kill whoever stole my shoes. And he started overturning tables and just uh, beating the tar out of everybody that was uh, in, within uh, his reach. Uh, I was scared to death. I, I thought, you know, this is really not something I wanted to do. This is something my wife had asked me to do with her. And I, um, so anyway, I kind of took a hiding spot under the stainless steel serving counter that we were standing behind because I could feel the fight moving my way. And, uh, but anyway, my wife, uh, all of a sudden I was wondering, I wonder what happened to Debbie because I was looking out for myself. And uh, so anyway, I heard, uh, I heard her say, that's him, that's him. And I looked up and I said, that's who? And she said, that's the man I had the dream about. I said, which one? And, and I, uh, she said, the one that's threatening to kill everybody. And all of a sudden I looked up and there was this giant African-American man with no shoes, obviously, uh, no shirt, uh, just some raggedy old unzipped britches, and he was still just tearing this place up. It was mass pandemonium still in the dining hall. The security guards were trying to get control of him to drag him out. And as you know, that's not a typical thing you see in a homeless mission. I don't want people to ever fear going to one. You know, I've been going to homeless missions now for uh, almost 20 years since that happened, and I've never seen anything else like that happen uh, again. But anyway, uh, my wife looked down at me, still on my knees, uh, and, and said, well, I believe I heard from God, Ron, that you have to be his friend. And I said, well, honey, I wasn't at that meeting you had with God. And if I'm going to be friends with somebody who wants to kill everybody, I think maybe I should go talk to God myself. But anyway, at her insistence, uh, I pursued him in the inner city for five months, almost daily, and, um, and finally get him in my car. And then uh, the rest is history. <laughs> it's a beautiful story that, um, uh, you know, he, he was obviously a poor man. He had been on the streets for more than 25 years. Uh, his street name was Suicide because people said, you know, just messing with him is the equivalent of committing suicide. But he was, he was a damaged man who had been roped and dragged by the Ku Klux Klan for helping a white woman change a flat tire on the plantation where he grew up in Louisiana in uh, and that was, uh, he was born in 1937, and it was, he was about 12 or 13 years old when uh, he was roped and dragged. So he uh, was uh, forced that day to promise to these men, they extracted a promise from him to let him out of the noose, that uh, he would never again speak to a white person. And uh, so that's, uh, he spent the rest of his life on the streets, or it was 10 years actually in Angola State Penitentiary. But you know, so often we judge people on the streets. We look at them. Uh, in fact, the first time I was walking the streets with Denver, he, um, he saw me with this judgmental attitude, and, and he pointed down to the end of the street, and he said, what do you see down there? I said, you talking about the courthouse? And I said, yeah, I see the courthouse. <clears throat> and uh, he said, um, well, Mr. Ron, the courthouse is full of judges. God ain't looking for no more judges. He's looking for servants. So if you're going to come down and hang with me on the streets, don't be judging. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, thank you for that. And so we sat down on the curb and we started talking. I said, so Denver, what's it like to be homeless? And uh, he thought for a minute and he looked back at me and he said, I don't know. 
why don't you tell me? I said, well, you know, I, I don't know how to answer that. I've never been homeless. He said, Mr. Ron, we's all homeless, just working our way back home. And I'll tell you, that was the, one of the most profound statements from this wise man that I had ever heard. And it was a life-changing event for me. My life was changed, really not just from the encounter of meeting a homeless person, uh, but my life was really changed by the friendship that I created with the, the poorest, what I thought was the most dangerous man in the world, who became my friend. And then uh, after my late wife died, just about a year after this encounter, uh, she died of, of cancer. And, um, and, but he was the person that encouraged and took care of us during the darkest 19 months of our lives. And, um, and, I, and I thought, you know, here's this man that I thought had nothing to offer me in a friendship became the most important person in my life. And, uh, but I, isn't that just like God? He uses the most unlikely people. In fact, Denver used to tell me when we'd be walking the streets, he said, Mr. Ron, you never know whose eyes God is watching you through. And it ain't going to be your preacher or your Sunday school teacher. He said, it's going to be somebody maybe like me. He said, and that ain't me, but it may be somebody just like me. Mm. So be careful how you treat people. Here's a very special person. And it was almost like every time he opened up his mouth, Proverbs came out. It was. It was, uh, you know, I called him Denverisms because he had so many wise things to say over and over. You know, he was not a person. Uh, he had spent 20 years, uh, 25 years on the streets when I actually met him, and he had really never spoken to people. He didn't talk. He listened, but he stayed up most of the nights praying and listening to God. And uh, he didn't know how to read or write, so he was getting no wisdom or anything other than just spending time with God alone. And uh, I was the first person to be privileged to hear uh, some of these uh, just incredible words of wisdom that came from him over and over during the 10 years we lived together until uh, he went to be uh, with Debbie in heaven uh, in 2012. So, Did he bring you closer to God? Well, he brought me a lot closer to God because I was very angry at God for taking <clears throat> my beautiful wife, who was actually a good Samaritan, a servant. I mean, she used to look at the homeless and, you know, like uh, she would look at them and, and, and where most people, I think, look at the homeless and say, what would happen to me if I stopped to help? But she looked at them and would think, what would happen to them if I don't stop and help? And as a result, you know, they, she was a very uh, extraordinary, uh, beautiful woman who loved uh, to do the work of God and uh, was, would show people the love of Christ. She didn't go around talking about Jesus. She showed them Jesus, uh, the love of Jesus with skin on it and in and, 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 and action. Once, once, once you were able to actually put this in print and have that multi-million selling book that appealed to so many different people on so many different levels. You didn't sit back and count your cash. You actually went on tour with Denver and tried to change lives in every city that you visited. Well, I felt like that uh, that was my mission because Debbie's final words to me on her deathbed the, uh, were, you know, Ron, don't give up on Denver. God is going to bless your friendship in a way you can never imagine. And she said, and please don't name anything after me. 
But uh, I just felt like that was my mission to tell her story. And in uh, Denver, because Denver came to her on the final day, knelt beside her bed, and and he had heard from God in the night that this was the day that she was going to go to heaven. So he kneeled beside her bed and he said, Miss Debbie, I know the only reason you've been hanging on this long is because you don't know who's going to take care of God's people when you pass. He said, but last night God told me, he said, Denver, you go tell Miss Debbie to lay down her torch and then you pick it up and you carry it the rest of your life. So he told her that and, and the man who had sworn he would never again speak to a white person, especially a white woman, uh, kissed her on the forehead and said, I'm going to see you on the other side, Miss Debbie. And uh, with that, you know, she she was gone within a few hours, but her final words to me were, you know, don't give up on Denver. So uh, it was actually Denver's idea to write the book. He uh, was, uh, I went and picked him up back off the streets. He was still on the streets living in a hobo jungle and by a dumpster in the inner city of Fort Worth. And I picked him up and we were going back to my ranch where we buried Debbie and he started laughing hysterically. And I said, Denver, what is so funny, man? I had not found anything funny. This was just two weeks after she had died. And I said, I've not found anything this funny. How can you find anything that's so funny? He said, Mr. Ron. He said, there ain't nobody ever going to believe our story. We got to write us a book. And I said, what is this we, Kimo Sabi? You don't read and you don't write, so who's going to write the book? <laughs> and I said, I don't write either. And... Uh, he said, well, you know what I mean. I know my part of the story, and so I'm going to tell it to you, and you write that down. Well, you already know your part, so uh, you just write that down, and when we get through with both of those, we'll put them together, and we'll have us a book. And so that's how we sat for the breakfast table. Uh, I mean, he moved in with me, and at the breakfast table for the next three and a half years, we sat and we wrote us a book. How'd you get the title? Well, the title, actually, I titled it our working manuscript, uh, Denver Bound, a journey with Miss Debbie, and I self-published under that title because we couldn't get anyone. A publishing house, the last thing they want to hear is a personal story by a first-time author, so it's almost impossible to get in. In fact, we could not get in a publishing house until I self-published, and then one of our self-published books got in the hands of Thomas Nelson Publishing, and they had already turned me down at least three times. But all of a sudden, they read what I, our story, and they said, we'd like to republish it under, under our title and uh, under our banner. But we want to change the title because it sounds like uh, Driving Miss Daisy and, uh, you know, a travel book. And I said, so what do you want to call it? And so they, we stayed um, every day. We stayed on the phone for many times trying to come up with a title but it was came down to the day that we had to have a title that day so we started going through the book of things that denver said some significant things that stood out and we get all the way to the very last page of the book we had been going through it for maybe two hours and we get to the very last page of the book when he says i found out everybody was different the same kind of different as me and um and uh, they said, that's perfect, same kind of different as me. And I said, oh, no, that's the worst title I've ever heard. Nobody will ever remember same kind of different as me. Can you imagine walking in a bookstore saying, can you got that same something or another or whatever kind of, I don't know what it is, it's a really funny long title. And uh, they said, no, it's perfect. People will get to know it and it will become a significant uh, thought and saying in people's minds. 
And uh, I said, okay, you're the publisher. We'll go with same kind of different as me. <laughs> and it was. And, and it, it was. continues to be. It changed the way people look at homelessness. You know, between the book and you and Denver going around and talking to people, as you say, people now see the homeless through different eyes. At Star of Hope, we take care of over a thousand homeless men, women, and children every day. And we see that the homeless is not just that guy standing on a corner or standing on the street, but it's so many different things. It's men, it's women, it's single women, it's women with kids, it's God's broken children. So when you look on a street corner, you're seeing someone's uncle, someone's daddy, mm -hmm. someone's brother. Mm -hmm. you know. And I didn't see that until I read the book. You know, I was working with a lot of facts and figures and paper, but once I read the book, I started to get an insight into the fact that these are people, these are feeling, caring, mm -hmm. loving, broken people that need our help. That's true. And I look at them often and think, just by the grace of God, there goes me. Absolutely. And, um, well, I, I'll tell you what, uh, what Star of Hope does here in Houston is one of, one, if not the best, uh, homeless program in America, serving clients with, uh, I mean, you guys do it at such a high level and, uh, and treat them with such dignity and respect. I've visited, you know, probably over 300 missions across America, Denver, and I got to know many, many missions in the work that's being done, and nobody does it better anywhere than right here in Houston, the Star of Hope, and my, my hat is off to you, and, and I, the, the, the people here, God's people in this city that are in need of help are so blessed to have Star of Hope, so uh, <clears throat> I, 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 my prayer is that everyone in the city would one day visit your campus and see some of the miracles that happen here on a daily basis. It seemed to be almost a miracle and a couple of years turning the book into a movie, but finally it did happen. And that was a long journey as well, wasn't it? It was a very long journey. Eight years, uh, two failed attempts, and uh, two studios and writers that wanted to take uh, God and Christ out of our story. But uh, you can't take God out of a God story. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you take Christ and God out of the Bible? So this was a story that was ordained by God, and um, and I wanted, and I've had to fight for that. It cost me uh, basically everything I had to get my rights back, so I could write the screenplay myself and tell the story as it happened, and, uh, yeah, and I honor heard, God and Debbie. I heard rumors that you would actually go and buy back your option, and 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 just stop the studios from starting production because I did yes. because. Because they took God out of the story? Yes, that's right. Wow. I did. Yes, but it was a very costly thing. <clears throat> you know, when I say that, you know, in the book, I talked about being a wealthy man. I'm a former wealthy man now who is a, uh, just a, a servant like uh, many of the homeless people. I, uh, I, the money from the book uh, all went back to the homeless, uh, and we built Debbie's mission. And uh, for years, the money went there. Now my uh, grandchildren received the royalties as uh, in honor of their grandmother that they never got to meet, and her grandchildren that she prayed for, but only knows from heaven. And so that's, uh, I thought, one of a fitting way to honor her is to establish a trust for using our book. Now the proceeds. I go to my grandchildren. In the few minutes we have left, tell us about the movie. I mean, were you in on the casting? Did I was you? in on the casting, on the selecting of all the sites. I uh, was in, uh, I wrote the screenplay and um, was there on set every day to make sure it was portrayed accurately and, um, and visually. 
And uh, it was a real, very, very exciting process, I mean, to, to reach my age and have to reinvent yourself as a movie producer when I'd been an art dealer, I guess, or homeless activist all my life. It was a very thrilling thing. You know, it keeps you, keeps you engaged every day. I woke up excited to be there and was, you know, would be there sometimes 18 hours a day. But, you know, just you don't get tired when you're energized by something that you're so excited for the, uh, the world to see. How, how we can change the world with just acts of kindness. I love that. So, but, and actually, we've started a foundation to assist the homeless, and we call that uh, the same kind of different as me foundation. It goes just by the, if you take the letters from our book, uh, SCODAM, S-K-O-D-A-M, same kind of different as me, the first letter, uh, SCODAM.org. And, uh, you know, we've created a line of merchandise that I envision. I want people all over the world and, and I want the homeless people all over the world to be wearing a T-shirt that says, we is all homeless just working our way home. Uh, the thing that, 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 that captured my heart uh, was Denver to make me realize that we are all homeless just working our way home. And so um, I hope people will, will, will look at our um, foundation. I, we, I want uh, our foundation website is scodam.org and, and look at the merchandise that they can keep in their cars and pass out to the homeless that they see on the streets. T-shirts, backpacks, blankets, uh, you know, water bottles and things like that. Uh, you know, I want uh, that message to become prevalent throughout the nation uh, that we will, uh, everyone, homeless and, and non-homeless, would realize that in fact we are homeless and just change the perception that we have about that word homelessness that makes a lot of sense i love that so it's not just a movie memorabilia it's something that will continue to change the world continue to make us look at someone differently well it's uh, you know I, I just think of the the dream the profound dream of a very simple woman like debbie has uh, has now become a national movement and i'm i thank god for that every day so is debbie happy is she looking down is she is she content well, I sure hope so. Uh, I believe that she is because uh, I think she and Denver up there together now, you know, she was really good at pointing her finger and saying, hey, I want you to do this and I want you to do that. And, uh, and so I think that together they are up there just enjoying uh, maybe their crowns in heaven. And we look forward to enjoying the movie and the book. Well, and, thank you uh, for those that haven't read it. I hope they do. We have a new movie version of the book coming out that's available online at Barnes & Noble. And I add several chapters and tell, explain how the movie got made, which was a very difficult thing, as well as where we go from here. And we talk about our foundation as well. And, well, thank you for the book, the story, the movie, the motivation, the insight. Thank you, my friend, Scott Arthur. We've been friends now a long time, Bill. We came together over this, uh, this one subject of homelessness, and, uh, and I tell you, I, I enjoy any time that I'm with you, and I appreciate uh, you know, all that you've done uh, for us and our story. Thank it you. is my honor. Ron Hall, thank you very much. God bless you. God bless you. It's a Hollywood story that took place in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But, you know, it's one that can be repeated in the lives of anyone willing to open their mind and their heart. Read the book. See the movie and see the homeless in a little different light than you did before. And to find out how you can help the homeless, visit sohmission.org, that's Star of Hope. That's it for now. Until next time, keep a soul filled with joy and a heart filled with hope. A Moment of Hope is produced and presented by the Star of Hope Mission. 
Ending Homelessness One Life, One Family at a Time by providing services to more than 1,000 homeless men, women, and children each day in Houston. Could you spare a little hope today? For more information or to donate to the Star of Hope Mission, please visit SOHmission.org.